Welcome to the What Matters Most podcast, presented by First United Bank and Trust. That's my bank. Visit us today at mybank.com. Hello and welcome to What Matters Most, a podcast all about finances, community, savings, and security for you, your family, and your business. This podcast is brought to you by the helpful folks at my bank, First United Bank and Trust. I'm your host, Eric Nutter, and in today's episode, What Matters Most is Charitable Giving. And for this helpful discussion, I'm thankful to be joined remotely today by Julia Hirschman, Wealth Advisor at First United in the Wealth Management Department. Julia, how are you doing this morning? I'm great. How are you today? I'm doing very well. I appreciate you joining me. And uh, and so since it's your first time on the podcast, uh, before we get into our topic, why don't you tell our listeners a little bit about yourself and your role there at First United? Sure. So, you know, as Eric mentioned, my name is Julia Hirschman. I'm a wealth advisor with First United. I've been with the bank for almost two years now. I started almost right out of college. I had a couple months of a break there. I'm originally from Oakland, where the main office is, and I have moved to the northern end of Garrett County. Um, You know, in the wealth management department, I service northern Garrett County and most of Allegheny County. And yeah, I'm just very thankful to be here today, and I'm ready to get talking about charitable giving. Excellent. Excellent. Well, that is our topic. So charitable giving, can you level the playing field for us and just tell tell us when we say charitable giving, what does that even mean? What is charitable, a charitable gift? So a charitable gift can mean a lot of different things, but at its most basic level, it is whenever you give some form of asset um, to a charitable organization. So Charitable organizations, we're thinking things like churches, colleges, you know, those charitable organizations. And it's it doesn't have to be money. It can be anything, any kind of asset. Correct. Yes. Okay. All right. So what motivates someone to make a charitable gift? Like, are there benefits that they can receive by, by doing that? Right. So there's kind of two different things here. I think the most common you know, reason someone makes a gift to charity is going to be something like, you know, compassion, wanting to help those in need, their values. Um, So, you know, there's the values behind it. And then there's also the financial benefits. But I think, you know, first and foremost, it's going to be their values that make them want to make the charitable gift. And then that financial benefit does come secondary. Mm -hmm. So again, there's really no one size fits all reason for why someone makes a gift to charity. Um, and usually it's for more than one reason, you know, for the the value of it. And then as far as um, the financial benefit as well. Right, right. So can you talk through um, some of the types of charitable gifts there are and like the tax benefits potentially that can, can come from that? Sure. So kind of two different questions. I'll start with the financial benefits of making a charitable gift before we get into kind of the specific types of gifts. Mm-hmm. But um, the most popular financial benefit for making a charitable gift is that it may provide an income tax deduction. And I think that's, you know, what we hear most often, you know, on the street when we're talking about charitable giving is a tax deduction. So federal income tax law does allow a deduction for gifts to qualified charitable organizations. Again, that's places like churches, colleges, hospitals. Um, In many cases, charitable giving of assets can avoid or delay payment of capital gains tax as well. Hmm. So not only do we have the income tax deduction, but we may delay payment or avoid payment of capital gains tax. And just for our listeners who might not, you know, understand capital gains tax, we'll quickly review what that is. So if you have an asset that you paid $100 for 
and you sell it when it's worth $150, you're going to owe capital gains tax on the profit, which in this case would be $50. So when we make the charitable gift, we do have the possibility of maybe avoiding or delaying the payment of that $50 worth of capital gains tax. Hmm. So I would say that the most common two advantages of um, making a charitable gift are going to be a federal income tax deduction and then possible um, avoidance or delaying the payment of capital gains tax. Gotcha. Okay. All right. So we've got some some opportunities to help ourselves from a tax position standpoint beyond just the uh, the, the the gratitude of giving and and the, the the joy that comes with that. But but there are some tax benefits. So. Of the types of things that that I can um, that a person might be able to give as a charitable gift, what are there? Okay, so the most common charitable gift that we're going to see is cash. Mm-hmm. And again, we want to talk about there's kind of two different ways that you can go about charitable gifting. So the first is going to be more common is when people give gifts while they're alive. Mm-hmm. Um, second is going to be people. G- giving gifts after they have passed away. So under the terms of, you know, a will or a trust of something that something of that nature. Mm-hmm. Um, so again, most people are going to choose to make gifts in their lifetime. And I would argue it's because they want to see their gifts put to good work. Right. Um, but, you know, sometimes you're not in the situation where you're able to give during life and you pass your assets after death. Yep. Um, so the most common gifts during life are going to be cash and then different assets, kind of like we touched on before, uh, most commonly stocks, bonds, and mutual funds, but also tangible personal property. That's going to be things like jewelry, um, collectibles, those kinds of things that you have around your house that might be of some value. Mm-hmm. If you're giving physical, I, like cash makes the most sense, I think, because it's quantifiable. I gave $100. Right. Mm -hmm. But when you give something like a piece of jewelry or something, how does that how does that get quantified? So usually you have to go to an appraiser or something of that nature, especially when we're talking about jewelry or collectibles. Um, It's a little bit easier when we're talking about things like stocks, bonds, mutual funds. Value of that stock. Yeah, exactly. We know what we paid for it and we know what the market value is. So I would definitely, you know, keep really detailed records and you're going to have to go to an appraiser to figure out the value of the gift if we're talking about something, you know, like jewelry or collectibles. Gotcha. Gotcha. Cool. So are, are as you talk through these kinds of things with clients, are there strategies that you're trying to put together? Like, are, are they trying to um, maximize their tax situation heading into like, well, I mean, we're coming up on year end here. So this is the time of year where I'm sure a lot of people are thinking about this kind of thing. Um, is that is that some of the conversations that you're having? Sure. Yeah, of course, like you said, the end of the year, um, the holidays coming up, it's definitely a time that people are starting to think about their charitable giving. Um, And like you said, it's definitely a strategy. Whenever they're working with a financial professional, we usually also bring a tax professional on board just to make sure that, you know, if this client is charitably inclined, that we're making the most of their charitable gifts. So not only will they be able to pass that gift to charity, they're also hopefully going to get some type of, you know, favorable tax treatment. And again, I think that's important because if we get favorable tax treatment, then you're going to be able to retain more assets. And if you are charitably inclined, you're going to have more to give to charity in the future. Absolutely. So just making sure that we have, you know, a really solid plan on 
why we're doing the things we're doing and how we can save a little bit on taxes to make sure that your money gets, you know, where you want it to go. Ultimately, either your heirs or your favorite charitable organizations. Right. Right. And, and I'm assuming some of that strategic conversation around giving, um, there must come in the form of, of limitations too, right? Are there, there are certain tax benefits, obviously, like you've mentioned, but I'm assuming there are limitations on some of those things. So knowing how to spread it out, so to speak, so that you are able to give more, but also get the most benefit. Is that a a reality? Yes, that is. And when we're talking about giving, there are so many factors that determine how much of an income tax deduction you're allowed. And I will touch on these briefly because I do get a lot of questions about, you know, if I give to this charity, is it the same tax treatment as if I give to this other charity? Right. So again, the biggest factor is going to be the type of charity you're giving to. And the question they ask here is, does the charity benefit the public at large or does it have a more specific, limited private purpose? So your public charities that are going to be benefiting everyone have more favorable tax treatment than private charities. Hmm. And again, like we said, you know, the type of asset comes into play um, when you're giving the asset. Is, Is it something you're giving during life or is it going to be after death? So again, you know, long story short, charitable gifts aren't always 100% income tax deductible. And it's really important to talk to a professional to make sure you understand what portion of your charitable gifts are going to be income tax deductible or avoid capital gains tax. Right. And do these same rules or are there different rules that apply for businesses who want to do charitable giving? Um, generally the same rules are going to apply. Again, there's going to be different, you know, intricacies, but the same umbrella of rules would apply. Got it. Excellent. Julia, any final thoughts on this topic before we, uh, before we wrap up today? Um, you know, I do want to talk about a few common strategies that I'm seeing my clients utilize right now, um, just in case that resonates and hits home with someone, you know, that's listening. So again, you know, like we've talked about, most people are going to choose to make gifts during their lifetime. And most commonly, that's going to be the outright gift of cash. Mm -hmm. But, you know, going hand in hand with cash gifts, there are those several different types of, you know, giving personal property, giving stocks, bonds, those types of things. There's several other strategies that we see our clients using, you know, in terms of trusts, um, charitable gift annuities. But one that is really common this time of year is a qualified charitable distribution. So if it's okay with you, I'd like to run through that really yeah, quick absolutely. to explain that. Okay. So this is a good strategy for people who have to take mandatory distributions out of their individual retirement accounts, which we'll refer to as IRAs going forward. Mm-hmm. So the qualified charitable distribution is a bit more complex than the outright gift of, you know, cash or an asset, but it is widely used. So we'll get into the mechanics of how this works. At the time that, you know, we're speaking right now in 2023, the age that you have to take your required mandatory distributions out of your IRA is 73. This has recently been bumped up from, you know, 72. Before that, it was 70 and a half. So make sure, you know, if you're thinking about a QCD, that you are at the age where you have to take required mandatory distributions. So if you want to take advantage of the QCD, Qualified Charitable Distribution, you um, are limited to an amount of $100,000 per year. Married couples are able to distribute $100,000 each per year. So this would be $200,000. And QCDs can be made to most charitable organizations. 
The most important part here to qualify for your QCD is that you have to make the charitable gift directly. And again, I'll say it again because it's really important. You have to make the gift directly from the IRA custodian to the charitable organization. Can't, can't touch your hands. Exactly. Yeah. So you can't receive the, ch- the charitable gift yourself. Um, so for example, you know, if someone has an IRA in the first United Wealth Management Department and they want to make a charitable donation, you would instruct First United to send the funds to the charity of your choice and say, you know, this is my RMD. I want to use it as my qualified charitable distribution for this year. So again, you're not touching the funds. First United would send it directly to the charity of your choice. And again, the main advantage of this is that we can exclude that amount of the gift from your taxable income as long as we stay under that $100,000 threshold. Gotcha. on so it's similar side, to a rollover. You're, you're just rolling some of your money to somebody else. To a exactly. Yeah. Exactly. The same concept as we don't want to touch our money. So we have to take, you know, if we're over 73, we have to take part of the money out. But if we don't need it, you know, for income purposes or something like that, and we are charitably inclined anyway, we might as well just make that gift directly to charity. That way the amount isn't included in our taxable income. Absolutely. That's great. That's a, that's a great tip. Um, and Lord willing, when I hit the mandatory age, I I will be able to do that. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, any other strategies that you wanted to talk about? No, I think that covers the main one. And the QCD is really important this time of year. Um, if you do have required mandatory distributions, you have to get them out by the end of the year. So, you know, December 31st. So this is the time a lot of clients are starting to discuss, you know, do I really need this money, you know, for myself or right. can I give it to someone else? Right. Well, and, and even in that thought, you mentioned, um, you know, just the, the, the minimum age for those distributions has changed several times over the last mm-hmm. 10 years. So tax laws and rules governing some of this, uh, some of this topic change from year to year potentially. And so it's probably a good idea to, at least have the conversation with your wealth advisor or your tax um, uh, advisor to understand, has there been a change that maybe you need to be thinking about that, that you hadn't noticed? Exactly. And like you said, these laws do change every year. And, you know, just as the average person, you're not going to want to keep up with all the new tax law and all the new, you know, things that are going on. So that's where it's important to talk to someone who who has to keep up with that? Yeah. <laughs> it's their job. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> exactly. So good deal. All right. Well, uh, Julia, as you may be aware, and as our listeners may have heard several times uh, in some of our more recent episodes, our wealth management area is celebrating its 60th anniversary this year. So that's a really, that's a, that's a tremendous amount of experience and knowledge right here in our neighborhoods. Um, what, what does that mean to you being a, a, a pretty new member to the wealth management area? What does that mean to you? And what do you like best about working in wealth management for First United? So I would say the best part, you know, about being a newer advisor working under, you know, these other advisors is the amount of experience they have. Um, there's definitely a team atmosphere that we have. When I started working here, it became apparent to me that like if I have a question and I go ask someone, they're happy to help. So in our department, it's super important that we have people that are more, you know, more, I would say versed in the topics because we do deal with a lot of specific things like charitable giving isn't something you talk to every client about. 
Um, so just knowing that there's someone there that you can go and ask that has more experience for these more complex situations is so important. And then I would say, you know, the wealth management department, what I like about that the most, um, other than the people I work with is the clients. Um, if you talk to anyone who knows me well, I'm one of those people who really loves the work they do. They always make fun of me because I love Monday mornings. I love going <laughs> into work and see what's going on. Um, I really like talking with people, um, learning their stories, their goals, and working with them to make their goals a reality. And the longevity of the relationships we build in this department is really important to me. We follow our clients through all stages of their life. And for me, there's nothing more rewarding than watching people grow and achieve their goals. So, you know, maybe I start working with a client and they're, you know, 50s, they want to retire in five to 10 years. And then watching them actually achieve that retirement or whatever their goal may be is just, um, it's very special for me. Absolutely. Well said. Julia, thank you so much for joining us today and providing such helpful insights. If if someone were to hear this episode and maybe they've got a question, maybe they want to learn more about charitable giving or or what opportunities they have from from a tax benefit standpoint, what's the best way they can get the support they need? So I would say the best course of action is going to the First United website, mybank.com. If you go under the wealth tab and choose my wealth management team, it has profiles for all of our different advisors and the areas that they service. So I would try and find someone that's close to you um, just to make it a little bit more convenient and reach out to them and you'll be able to see their direct line and their email on the profile. Julia Hirschman, Wealth Advisor in First United's Wealth Management Department. Julia, thank you one more time. Thank you for having me. Absolutely. Well, that brings us to the end of our show. You can always find more episodes by visiting mybank.com slash podcast or find us on your favorite podcast app. You can also leave feedback, ask questions or request a topic for us to discuss by sending an email to podcast at mybank.com. We thank you for listening. We'll be back next time with more helpful content. But until then, we wish you the best in focusing on what matters most to you. First United, my bank for life. This document is a general communication being provided for informational purposes only. It is educational in nature and not designed to be taken as advice or a recommendation for any specific investment product, strategy, plan, feature, or other purpose in any jurisdiction, nor is it a commitment from First United Bank and Trust, or any of its subsidiaries to participate in any of the transactions mentioned herein. Any examples are generic, hypothetical, and for illustration purposes only. This material does not contain sufficient information to support an investment decision and should not be relied upon in evaluating the merits of investing in any securities or products. In addition, users should make independent assessment of the legal, regulatory, credit, and accounting implications and determine together with their own professional advisors if any investment mentioned herein is believed to be suitable to their personal goals. Investors should ensure that they obtain all available relevant information before making any investment. Any forecasts, figures, opinions, or investment techniques and strategies set out are for information purposes only based on certain assumptions and current market conditions and are subject to change without prior notice. All information presented herein is considered to be accurate at the time of production, but no warranty of accuracy is given and no liability in respect of any error or omission is accepted. 
It should be noted that investment involves risks. The value of investments and the income from them may fluctuate in accordance with market conditions and taxation agreements, and investors may not get back the full amount invested. Both past performance and yields are not reliable indicators of current and future results.